We have just a quick 20, 30-minute meeting right after the service called Intro to Stonebridge. I'm going to be right over here in the cube. That's the trailer right there. Bring your kids. Um, I promise I won't go on and on and on, all right? Uh, so come bring your questions. We'd love to just acquaint you better with our church. So come on over for that if you're interested. All right, so today we finish up Proverbs in Proverbs 31, and we've entitled it Wisdom for Relationship with Your Husband. And so a lot of you, I guess a guy was like, yeah, all right, wait a minute. So what if, you're automatically thinking, what if I'm not a wife, right? Okay, so hear me out. Husbands, I want you to listen close because your job is to take what you learned from this and point out and celebrate these qualities in your wife this week. And if you're unmarried, if you're an unmarried woman, this is great wisdom for all women, not just married women. So listen up. If you're an unmarried man, this is what you should look for in a wife. So listen up. There's wisdom for everyone in the room tonight. Tonight, today. Wow, I'm getting ahead of myself. Today, this morning. So let me give you some helpful background to Proverbs 31. So um, we're particularly, we're, we're going to be looking at the last part, verses 10 through 31. So this is an acrostic poem, and each verse starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. So it's supposed to be like a, a, a comprehensive, um, like, A to Z on what it means to be a godly, noble woman. Now, it's this this poem here is in contrast to the wayward woman that we saw in Proverbs 5 through 7. And I also should say this, that this woman does not exist because there's no perfect women. All right? So just to kind of like take the pressure off. But however, this doesn't mean that in the Holy Spirit's strength, you don't strive, strive for this as a woman or as a wife. Just because, think of it like this, this, just because you can't be Jesus, you will never be Jesus, does not mean we don't strive to be like Jesus. So I want to read Proverbs 31, and then I'll make some comments, um, and then we'll go from there. So Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she can laugh at the time to come. 
Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. So I want to outline in here four main characteristics of a noble, godly wife and give a little bit of explanation. And then I'm going to have a panel of women who led a Proverbs Bible study this summer come up and share a little bit about Proverbs 31 and what it looks like to live it out. Because in case you haven't noticed, I'm not a woman. So we'll get some, some insight from uh, some, some noble, godly women themselves. So four characteristics of a noble wife we see here. First and foremost, verse 30, they fear the Lord. They fear God. Again, verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. This is the most important. All the other characteristics in this chapter and of a noble woman flow from this. They start here. We've seen this throughout the book of Proverbs. We saw in 1 verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And we saw this theme of the fear of the Lord just sprinkled in throughout the book of Proverbs. But it's the most important thing that they fear the Lord, that they're in awe of the Lord, that they are amazed by the Lord, and that they trust in the Lord. They trust in the Lord more than anything, more than anyone, more than even their husband. They trust the Lord. They fear the Lord. Here it's saying that beauty and looks are fine, okay, but it's not what matters most. What matters most is a woman's heart posture towards the Lord. So if you are a younger man or a younger woman in here, listen to this verse carefully as I read it again. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Especially young people. Do you know how much trouble you could save yourself if you took that verse to heart from an early age? Men, if you did not settle for, for someone, a woman, who just looks fantastic, but is heart, their heart is far from the Lord, you would save yourself so much trouble. Women, if you would pursue godliness and fear of the Lord more than anything else, more than looks, more than status, more than anything else. That is what it means to be a noble woman. Live this out. Take this to heart. All the other characteristics flow from this one. They fear God. Second characteristic, they're a blessing to others. A blessing to others. So blessing to their husband. Verse 11 and 12, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not lack anything good. Verse 12, she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. So verse 11, I mean, there's, there's no greater blessing than to be trustworthy. Wives, gain the absolute trust of your husband. In verse 12, the wife blesses her husband with good things. It says every single day, all the days of her life, she's blessing her husband. 
Jump down a bit to verse 23. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. So here she is a blessing because certainly this wife's noble character helped her husband gain the reputation that he gained to sit among the elders of the land. Verses 28 and 29 are Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also praises her. And then verse 29 is this husband praising her. He says, many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. So wives, are you such a blessing to your husband that they can't help but praise you? And husbands, do you praise and encourage your wife regularly like she deserves? Verse 29 sets this bar really high, fellas. You realize what he's saying? He's saying, you are the most beautiful person on earth in my eyes. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. You say things like that to your wife and mean them. A noble wife is a blessing to others, a blessing to her husband, and she's also a blessing to her kids. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Now, we know that kids don't naturally give their mothers the credit they deserve, right? So moms, are you such a blessing to your kids that they can't help but thank you? And, and kids, kids in the room, do you praise and encourage your mom regularly like she deserves? Her children rise up and call her blessed. She's a blessing to her kids. She's also a blessing to the helpless. Verse 20, her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. See, it doesn't just stop with being a blessing to those in her very household. No, she helps the helpless. She helps the poor. She helps the needy and the vulnerable. Third characteristic, she works hard. She works hard. She works hard inside the home. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. Verse 21, she's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. Verse 27, she watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. We see here that she works hard at serving her family members in their home. Now, this is going to look a bit different in each and every home. And by the way, husbands, you're not off the hook for working hard in your home as well. Notice it doesn't say that here, (laughs) okay? But the point is that verse 27, she's never idle. She's hardworking. But she's also hardworking outside the home. Verse 16, she evaluates a field and buys it and plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Verse 24, she makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Now what's interesting here is verse 18, it says that the, the, her lamp never goes out. And so if you read this and you, you pay attention to what was said earlier, it's like, okay, so she gets up before the sun rises, and then she stays up all night? She doesn't sleep? Is that what it means to be a noble woman? No. Here's what verse 18 
means, okay? So they had to work hard in order to get enough money in this culture to have enough oil to keep the lamp burning all night. Or they would just make enough oil to keep their lamp burning all night because they didn't have electricity, okay, before Edison. Uh, so, but this was a security measure for the household to keep the lamp burning through the night even while you were sleeping. This was a security thing, not, not she's staying up all night or even really late. Now, some have used Proverbs 31 to say that women should only work in the home. And while that is a, a noble way to live, to work within the home, that, that's what my wife does. In fact, these verses say very much the opposite, that that is the only way. See, they, these are saying, this is a portrait of a wife working outside of the home to provide for her family. So I don't think it's, you have to work in the home, you have to work outside the home. I think it's, it's both and. But the point, again, is that she's working diligently, whether she's over here or over there, at home, out and about, another job outside the home, whatever it is, she's being productive. She's working hard. And the last, the last piece of wisdom on what it means to be a, a noble woman is that she speaks graciously. Verses 25 and 26, strength and honor her are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. Verse 25, she, she laughs at the time to come. This means she, she recognizes God's grace in each and every moment. She's not panicking. She's not worrying about tomorrow. She's enjoying God's graces that he's, she's giving her and her family today. Verse 26, she graciously speaks wisdom and loving instruction to others. See, there's a lot to learn from noble women who fear the Lord because they have incredible wisdom and loving instruction. So I want us to hear some of that incredible wisdom and loving instruction from some noble women today. So if I could have uh, my wife Heather and then Stacy Picklap and Helene Palmer Come on up and join me here. Now, what's great is these gals are incredible examples of noble, God-fearing women. And they, they led a Bible study this summer, um, studying this and talking about it. Um, but of course, like any of us, right, they're not perfect, but they are certainly worth emulating, these gals right here. Um, now, as a church, as Stonebridge Church, we take a, what's called a complementarian view on men's and women's roles. And so that means, in a nutshell, that we believe that men and women are created equal in the sight of God. So have the same worth, same value, but men's and women's roles are designed to complement one another. And so men are given the role of spiritual leadership, both in the home and in the church. And we see this from a number of texts, but especially Genesis 1 and 2, 1 Timothy 2, Ephesians 5, um, which is why we have elders that lead our church, male elders and males who are preaching the word on Sunday morning. But today, I, as quote-unquote the spiritual dad of our church family, taught Proverbs 31, and now these gals, as 
quote-unquote spiritual mothers of our church family are going to give us further wisdom on what this looks like lived out. And the elders uh, and myself really felt it necessary today to hear from women about being a woman, because no one wants to hear Matt try to talk about that for 35 minutes. Amen. <laughs> amen. Okay. Wow. That was the only thing we got the amen from today. We're doing well. Uh, all right, so thank you for joining us, ladies. Uh, how about we just go down the line, if you can just share a little bit um, about your name, your family situation, uh, job situation, if that applies, and then roles that you serve in here at Stonebridge. So. Okay. I am Heather Yoder. Am I on? There we go. Good morning. I am Heather Yoder. I've made the mistake in the past of saying, uh, saying I'm one of the pastor's wives, but I am this guy's wife. <laughs> the only <laughs> wife that I have. <laughs> we have three kiddos. Joy is 10, Brandon is 8, and Ian is 4. And I have been a stay-at-home mama since Joy was little. I worked when I was pregnant with her, but then decided to stay at home with the kiddos. So that's my situation. Um, what was the other question? I already forgot. Job, roles you serve oh. in Stonebridge. Okay. Well, I've worn a few different hats here, but the one I'm currently wearing is Wednesday nights. I lead the third through fifth grade uh, ministry called Ignite. Great. Yep. I'm Helene Palmer. Um, I'm married to Ryan Palmer. He's in the back. <laughs> um, we have three kids. We have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and an almost nine-month-old. And I um, taught kindergarten in Boone um, for five years. So with my two olders, um, I was teaching. And then this is my second year staying home. So I've been a working outside of the home mom and inside of the home. Oh, um, yeah. serving, um, we host a, and lead a connection group, and um, I host and co-lead a Thursday morning um, book study for women at our house with Stacy and Chris. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm Stacy Picklap. I am married to Greg Picklap, standing in the back there. Um, I have, th we have three kids. Uh, Maddie, who is 16, Mackenzie, who is 14, and Riley, who just turned nine. Um, so they keep us busy with all their scheduling. Um, I worked, um, I stayed at home when kids were little. Um, I've been working here at Stonebridge for four years now, I think. Five, yeah, close to five, maybe. Um, so I'm the administrative director here at Stonebridge. Um, I work full time here um, and then my husband and I also lead a connection group. Um, I help lead the D6 children's ministry, um, hospitality team, you Bible do study it all. with, with yeah. Not all the things, but, but a lot she of does. things. <laughs> yeah. Great. So what's one interesting thing you learned as you study Proverbs 31? I guess I'll start. Sure. <laughs> okay. It's hard to pick one. There's a lot of interesting things in Proverbs 31. And I used to approach Proverbs 31 like 
like she was my enemy. Like Proverbs 31, ugh, like roll my eyes. She's too perfect. She's, you know, she's out of reach. Um, I can't stand her. She's a perfectionist. Can't live up to her. Like those were my honest <laughs> thoughts towards her. Um, but I've come to understand. I that still have those thoughts. Just yeah. To be honest. <laughs> yes. There's a struggle there of seeing her rightly. And I think I was really freed up by a note that was in the ESV study Bible. And it, I'll just read it. It said, it is not expected that any one woman will look exactly like this in every respect. Uh, she is an ideal. And that just helped me to take a deep breath in and be like, okay, this is someone to, to look to, to learn from. This is not someone who I'm going to try to schedule my life around how she scheduled her life because she's not a real person. And so uh, that gave me a lot of freedom. And um, I don't know who said it, but there's, we've probably all heard the quote, if you aim for nothing, that's what you're gonna hit. You're gonna hit nothing. And so um, she's just a, a great person, in quotes, to try to aim for some of these character traits. So that's helpful to have in mind as we just begin this conversation about Proverbs 31. I've really enjoyed studying the Proverbs 31 woman, and I approach it differently than Heather and Stacy. I don't know, it's um, kind of like inspiring and um, beautiful to me, but then I can like take that and rush to make a list like she had strong arms, you know, like gotta have strong arms or like silly things like that. Um, but just as I read it over and over, just the truth of like her strength and dignity came from living in God's presence. It didn't come from what she did or didn't do. It didn't come from what she said or didn't say. It didn't come from what people thought of her or didn't think of her. Um, but it came from living and spending time in God's presence and fearing him. And so that um, was really freeing to me and um, just encouraging for me to take that and like, okay, how can this apply to my life? Because she wasn't Heather Yoder. She's not Helene Palmer. She was maybe Solomon's mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it goes with the fear of the Lord. Like for me, I, I tend to want to always be in control, whether it's of myself, of my day-to-day -day tasks, of my husband, of my kids. I want to be in control. And when I'm focusing on being in control, this is not obtainable to me at all. Um, so just looking through like things that stuck out to me as I was reading through Proverbs 31, you know, strength and dignity, well-prepared. Okay, well, I like to be well-prepared. I have to be organized, but that's, again, my control. Um, so just putting my trust in the Lord and my fear in the Lord and focusing on the Lord, who is perfect, and I am not, but like what Heather said, emulating that, striving to be more well-prepared, more, you know, full of strength and dignity, more of what God is calling me to be instead of in control. That makes sense. Yeah. You, you said it was hard to pick one. Is it no pressure, but do you have another one particular interesting fact that you're like, oh, I really want to share that too? 
I do, but I don't know if we have time. Where did I put my phone? Is that sure. all right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm inviting you. Go for it. Okay, so in verse 21, the CSB, which is what we use here, the Christian standard, says, she is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. In the ESV, it actually says they're clothed in scarlet instead of doubly clothed. And were you going to talk about this? You got it. Okay. Um, it's actually a podcast that Helene sent to me, and it's um, Nancy, Nancy Lee DeMoss Wolgamuth. I don't know what her last name is now. She's married. I okay. think it's DeMoss. Okay. But it's she has the Revive one. Our Hearts podcast, mm -hmm. and she mentioned this idea of the scarlet clothing and how that dye comes from a worm that's been crushed, and that's how they would dye the linen. And she pointed to, could it be that this is a symbol of Christ? In Isaiah 53, it talks about how Christ was crushed for our iniquity. And so Jesus shed his blood and we are clothed in his righteousness. It's his blood that justifies us. And so thinking not just about meeting physical needs of, you know, being prepared for a cold winter and having warm clothes, but being prepared spiritually for the storms of this life. And what prepares us and what gives us security in the storms of life is the fact that this world is not my home. And my salvation is secure because of Jesus' blood. So just looking at that verse, <laughs> yeah, just that, that security of salvation that we find in Christ alone. Um, so how can we do that in our homes and in our, our jobs and all of these places is how can I look for an opportunity to point people to Jesus? He is where our hope is found. And I thought that was a really cool, interesting point, um, the scarlet being a symbol. Great find. Wow. Incredible Christ connection there, too. It wasn't me. It was Nancy Wolgamuth or whatever her name is now. I'm yeah. sorry. That's disrespectful. I just know she has, yeah. she's lost some husbands, like they died, and she remarried. I think that happened to her like two or three times, this dear lady. Wow. But she is faithfully serving and loving Jesus, so mm -hmm. in the storms of life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? No, Worthy? No? That was good. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Can't follow that. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, what advice would you give other ladies for living out Proverbs 31, 30? And, uh, you can start this one. Yeah. Well, let me, let me read it again. I, okay. I think I know it by now. We'll <laughs> test my memory. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Mm -hmm. So, all right. There you go. Great memory verse. Um, okay, I think Jen Wilkins said, what we behold, we become. Um, and behold means to gaze upon or observe. And then synonyms were appreciate, assimilate, grasp. Um, and so it has been a reminder to me that what I find beautiful and worthy and where I'm placing my attention and what I'm gazing at or I aspire to be, to be, that's the image I reflect. 
as a Christian, our call is to be an image. We're made in the image of God, and so we're made to reflect his image. So if I'm putting myself under, like, what our world says is beautiful, then that's fleeting and deceptive. But if I'm fearing the Lord, um, then I'm going to reflect the image of God. Um, and so I would just urge you to look at like where you spend your time, what what are you like reaching for, what are you craving, because that's what you're going to become. Um, and my husband always says like, you're, there's like no such thing as a plateau, I'm not saying it right, um, but you're always going somewhere. And so like, is your life trajectory going closer to Jesus, or is it going farther away? Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. A verse that came to mind for me, um, thinking through that, was Psalm 34, 5. Um, this is just a part of it, but those who look to the Lord will be radiant with joy. Um, and if you can think through your mind, you know, what women radiate joy to you? Is it because they are radiating with physical beauty or is it is it their heart is it what they're living out what they're um portraying uh and the women in my life when I think of you know those that radiate joy um you know these women up here uh many of you sitting out there um I I see a few of you but I won't point you out uh but you radiate joy because you're radiating Christ you're you're striving to become like him, to learn about him, to share those things with your family and and are just really living that out. And so that's something I want to strive to do as well is to radiate joy, radiate the Lord um, and not worry so much about the physical. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything to add? Um, were we on the how does a woman fear the Lord? Question. Yeah, living yeah. out yeah. verse three. Yeah. So, I guess I have a practical, great thing. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, part of fearing the Lord is acknowledging that He's the sovereign one, right? Like He mm-hmm. is in control. He's over all things. Like Colossians um, one says, He is above all things, and in Him all things hold together. So if that's true, then what am I trying to hold together? The control piece that we kind of keep bringing up. And so I would encourage, this isn't just for women, but for men too in your devotional life, to just get specific with God about what are the things that I'm trying to control and hold together. And I forget which Bible study I saw this from, but again, this is not mine. But you write down on a plain piece of paper, just write Jesus, And then you draw a line under it, so Jesus over, and then right below in that empty space, the thing that you are trying to control, the thing that you need to relinquish over into his hands, because he's the sovereign one. I'm not. And so that's just a practical tool. And then take that paper, put it in your pocket, or hang it on your mirror, and then you're seeing Jesus is over my child's sickness. Jesus is reigning over my difficult relationship with my job or with my boss. Jesus is over, like, just whatever the thing is that you're worried about, that you're trying to seize control over, you don't have that control. Jesus does. So just 
give it back to him. And so that's just kind of a practical way to fear the Lord, is to acknowledge that he is over all things, he's in control and sovereign, and we need to cooperate with him and loose the grip of control. Mm. So, Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. It's the practical stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. Especially, I mean, I can't imagine any of us have experienced things, especially over the last few years, that we are having trouble giving over control to Jesus of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the time, that's true. That's good. That's good. Challenge to all of us. All right. Um, how do you personally go about blessing your husband? We talked about how normal <laughs> wife is a blessing. I feel like go your first. husband should come up here and sit by you too. <laughs> <laughs> Greg leaves the room. <laughs> Get back in Did here, you Greg. Just leave the room. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That makes me feel real confident. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I should go first. Oh, he's back. You should. Right. Go ahead, Stacey. <laughs> well, I obviously need to do a better job of blessing my <laughs> husband so he doesn't feel like leaving the room when I answer this question. Um, Man just needed some coffee. All right. There, yeah, there, sure. <laughs> I would say um, something I've been convicted of more so lately um, it's just building him up and encouraging him. Um, I tend to, like I said, I tend to want to control things, whether that be how he acts or how he parents or how he does things and tend to focus more on the negative instead of the positive of the things that he does well and encouraging him and building him up. Um, and when I focus on doing that and trying to bless him in that way, it, it's like a trickle effect. Then he's happier, I'm happier, my kids are happier, you know, we're, we're getting along, our week is going better, and just it's just a blessing all around if I can remember to focus on the positive and build him up and encourage him and do my job of doing that. Then that blesses him. That makes sense. Did that answer the question? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, because it's a lot easier to focus on the negative. There's always uh-huh. things that are going to drive you nuts, whether you're a husband, wife, anyone, you, you have a roommate, whoever, you know, it's just, you're always going to want to focus on those things that are just driving you nuts. But if you focus on, okay, no, I could really encourage them. They're doing well here. And then do that. It goes a long ways. It's good. Um, this is a hard question because, I don't know, it just feels uncomfortable. Um <laughs> Verse 12 says she brings is one version and then another version says she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Not the good days of her life, not when the children aren't like wanting to hurt each other or starving for snacks, Um, but all of the days. Like it's not based on her situation, it's not how she's feeling. Um, that's convicting. And then um, it also made me, or some of the verses made me think of John 13, 34. Um, It says, I give you a new command to love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And so like part of what God has called me to is to love my husband. Um, and then I also have to check my heart in that 
like I can put on a facade and do something, but if my heart's not in it, I might as well not be doing it for my husband. So am I doing it with angst or am I doing it to bring him good? Um, and I um, just think like being prayerfully and intentionally committed to his whole well-being, like his physical, his spiritual, his emotional, his mental, how am I blessing that and bringing good to that? Yeah, that's kind of awkward. Why is it so important? I was just kidding. Oh, you were kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But to save time, maybe we should. (laughs) It's up to you. All right, all right. Well, I'll just say this, which you mentioned in your sermon. But I think the one of the biggest ways. Maybe this seems like a Sunday school answer, Jesus. But one of the biggest ways that we can bless our spouses, and I can bless you, is Matt is not my first love. (laughs) Jesus is my first love. Mm -hmm. And when we put that pressure on our spouse to be our savior, we're miserable because he's a person. I'm a person. I'm I'm going to fail. He is. He's a bad savior. So I think just recognizing that there's a void in your soul that only God, God alone can fill, not, not Matt, not whoever else that we turn to or whatever else we turn to, um, that void is meant for a relationship with Christ. And so once you do that, then it's like, oh, like you don't have to be my savior. You don't have to meet my every need because that's not what you're here for. You're not made to meet my every need. That's so selfish. Um, So just making sure I cultivate that relationship with Christ is actually a way that I am loving and blessing Matt Mm because it takes the pressure off of him to meet my every need and to satisfy my soul in a way that only Jesus can. So so do that. Turn to Jesus. Don't don't look to one another to try to fill those holes in your heart that only God can fill. And I would say it also pushes your husband Mm -hmm. towards Jesus too. Which is the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, modeling that. Yeah. Not, yeah. not being his Holy Spirit and like, yes. you need to go spend time with Jesus. But like, In, yeah. yeah, well, it just encourages him. <laughs> Maybe you need to say I that. Mean, sometimes I don't know. It yeah. But, uh, but modeling it. Yes. It's gonna, you ladies are too convicting, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm squirming in my seat. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. Um, why going to working hard? Why is it so important for wives to work hard? I have a lot on this. So do I. You go. <laughs> um, okay, so I, well, it's been interesting to go through Proverbs and to see how kind of all the themes within Proverbs, like humility, work, each of the like weeks sermons that Matt and other guys have preached on kind of is culminated in Proverbs 31. And so I have been reflecting on work and I said that I was a teacher for five years um, and now I have stayed home for two years. I feel like I've learned more about work staying home, which sounds funny because I woke up and went to work, like work every day. Um, 
but I've learned that I like have a cultural mindset of work. So like I went to work and I got money is how I viewed work. But God called us to work even before sin entered the world. Um, and our work was cursed as a consequence of sin. Um, so I've had to like train my mind what's a biblical and a correct view of work. And God called us to work hard, to steward, and to be um, faithful to what he gave us. Um, and so I have learned more about that when I'm working at home and I'm not getting the praise of others. I'm not getting like a physical, tangible evidence of my work. But um, yeah, which is hard. <laughs> Um, but it's been really good for me and I'm really thankful for it. And so it's just reminded me that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. Like the last will be first. Um, and I'm, I'm like not saying that going to work outside of the home is bad. Like I'm so grateful for those days too. But, um, as I've studied this, I look to why it's important for a woman and a wife to work hard. It's because it's the fruit of what God is doing in her and the fruit of her fearing the Lord and walking with him. And so I don't make the I don't read Proverbs 31 to make a checklist of duties and what she did and like put that in my situation, but I'm encouraged um, to see how she worked and how I can be a blessing to those around me. Um, and then looking at a practical application, in verse 13, it says she worked with eager hands. Eager. Like, I don't know. That's convicting because I don't always work with <laughs> eager hands when I'm doing laundry sure. or whatnot. And then um, verse 17, she worked with willing hands. Um, like her hands were looking to bless someone, to help someone. Um, and she just did that in practical ways for her family. And so what are the practical ways that you can work um, in your job for your family? If you're not married, like there's still, God still has you in a place to work in practical and simple ways. Um, and then verse 27, and then I'm done. <laughs> she was never idle, which is that thing that sounds like she's, just yeah, like good grief. Come yeah, on, get rid yeah. of lady. But I like my sleep. That um, yeah. I I've just learned like what is the next thing that I can do? Is it sitting down and playing cars with my children? Is it like folding that pile of laundry? Is it starting to make dinner for my family? Like it looks different. It's not just being a busybody. But what is the next thing that I can do? And doing it without grumbling. Yeah. Eager That's and willing. That's what I was thinking as you were listing all those things, like without grumbling, though. Yep. Mm, Eager and willing. Well. <laughs> it's just yeah. convicting, those two words. Yeah, yeah. Um, a verse that I wrote down as I was thinking about working hard and why, do we, why are we called to work hard, um, Philippians 2, 4, 14 through 15, um, it says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a twisted, crooked generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Um, so, you know, we're 
not just called to work hard as wives. I mean, we're all called as children of God to work hard for him, um, to ultimately to share him with our children, with our spouse, with our other family, um, with those that we interact with day to day, whether it be at work or at home. Um, but yeah, to work hard, heartily for God and to yeah, shine his light. So... Anything to add? Uh, you said you have stuff. Well, I do. I just <laughs> don't know how much time we have because uh, this is this is fun. Clock. This is good stuff. Okay. I'll worry about the clock. You okay, I will. Away. I will share a thing then. So, I think it's important to work hard because our time is a precious gift from the Lord. So I guess I kind of think of it as stewarding our time well. Like mm -hmm. she's making the best use of our time. Like Paul says in Ephesians. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So, um, yeah, instead of viewing my time as something that I should hoard to myself mm -hmm. and um, seek selfish desires and comforts and just be all about Heather, it's like, no, my time is from the Lord. And then that, um, that helps me to want to share my time to serve others and to bless others because it's like, oh, it's not about me. My time isn't my own. Everything we have is from the Lord. And so how can I, how can I use it well? How can I steward it well? So, and then one final thought is when we did our summer study, we, we looked at this psalm that I thought was really helpful to hold in like a, a balance of, yes, we are to work hard, but not in a way that is unhealthy, like workaholic and you know, then you're just tired and crabby. And how much of a blessing can you be if you're tired and crabby and exhausted? Um, so Psalm 127 says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Uh, the ESV says, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he grants sleep to those he loves. So there's like another verse to just hold those things in a balanced tension. Like God obviously wants us to have rest. He gives us Sabbath. You know, so rest and recreation are important, too. Mm -hmm. And that's another, um, another author jokes that this is an example of why this woman is not real, is that we don't see her resting or playing and having fun. Like, those things are godly, too. Mm -hmm. So just have all of that in mind as you're approaching work and play and rest. Mm -hmm. It's the Lord grants us sleep. He doesn't want us to be miserable. Mm -hmm. But how are you using your time? And are you stewarding it well to serve others and to love the Lord? Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Good to point out that balance there, too, because it's not just work, 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 mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Work hard, play hard, yeah, you know. absolutely. All right, so what easily gets in the way of wives speaking graciously? <laughs> 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 Do we have time for this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Heather was Maybe really the husbands should time. answer this one. I should answer this one first. <laughs> no, the husbands. Oh so. yeah, there you go. My I, need for control. Sorry. No, go ahead. Jump right in. Do it. My need for control, which I've been saying all morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, that gets in my way of graciously speaking because if, you know, Greg can do something completely right, but it's not quite how I would have done it. So instead of speaking graciously and building him up and saying, thank you, I am snippy and rude because my control 
It, it comes down to control for me, I think, mm -hmm. as far as gracious words. Yeah. I had three, um, like, I don't know where Over I got these from, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> these are from my life. Uh, being resentful, so kind of like you, like, if you would have known, I know the best way. Um, and uh, pride, not having a humble heart. Overstimulated, I think, like, moms, maybe moms of young kids can understand. Like, you have... 3,500 different requests in like seven minutes. Um, minutes? Seconds. Yes. Seconds, <laughs> yes. Um, but that doesn't give me an excuse to lash out at them, to be annoyed, to serve them with a grumbling heart. Um, and then being annoyed, like, feel, kind of goes by, goes with overstimulated, feeling as though I'm interrupted by someone's need. Um, and rarely there's a convenient time when I think about it. Like, I feel like I'm just trying to cut up the carrots for dinner, and this happened. Um, but, you know, there's never a convenient time for just... And so in those moments, thinking about, like, how can I use gracious words and living in the fear of the Lord helps with that because then you're mindful. Mm -hmm. there's a children's song it's by rain for roots and it says the heart is where the words of the mouth grow and the mouth is where the thoughts of the heart go which mm -hmm. is a fun play on words of uh, luke 645 out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and that's super convicting because it's like okay what's coming out of my mouth is what's in my heart it's revealing what's in my heart mm -hmm. and so um so many of these questions, I think we could, we could answer by going back to the garden of they wanted to hide, they wanted to be like God. So it's like, I get annoyed when children aren't listening, you know? It's like, and why, what is that saying about my heart when I'm yelling at them because they're being a kid? You know, it's like, it's exposing that I want to be like God. I want to be worshipped. I want you to revere me. Why aren't you listening? I'm like God. You know, it's, no, I'm not. I'm, I am not God. So I think a lot of the time it's just exposing what's in my heart. And then we come back to the Lord, hopefully, and we say, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. So just going back to him and praying that he would bear good fruit mm -hmm. in our hearts. Mm -hmm. um, that's where it starts, and then our mouths speak what's there. So mm -hmm. just keep asking God, give me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Um, it's a daily struggle. So yeah. just keep coming back to him. And hopefully, guys, we're paying attention to all those too, because that's true of us, all of those things, you know, control, being annoyed, all, all of these things, having a bad heart, you know. All of us need to speak more graciously. So, mm -hmm. All right. We'll wrap it up. One final word of hope and encouragement you want to leave with everyone here today. Anybody? Sealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just put, and this is, if I can just point out some helpful resources. So I read this this summer. It's called A Woman's Wisdom. How the Book of Proverbs Speaks to Everything. It's by Lydia Brownback. This is a really helpful, practical read. 
uh, that I would encourage you to pick up if you like to read. And then that Revive Our Hearts podcast, there's Mm -hmm. a shorter one that you sent to me, and then there's a longer one that I listened to as well called The Countercultural Woman. Mm -hmm. And as you're getting ready in the morning, maybe just listen to that. That will help you to fear the Lord if you're listening to godly counsel and scripture. Uh, What's the three-episode one called? Do you remember? Facing the Future with Joy? Yeah. Something like that? Either way, if you hop on reviveourhearts.com, you can search for these Proverbs 31 teachings, and they're great. And we'll try Um, to put some of those links on our our Facebook page later, too. Yeah. Okay, but the actual, like, those were the things, the resources. But um, so in this book that I just recommended, she says this, growing in wisdom means looking more at Christ than at the Proverbs 31 woman. We cannot be like her by ourselves. We can only do it in dependence on Christ because he is our wisdom. So it's like, don't look to her to try to, I mean, yes, look to her, but look to Christ. Like Christ is our wisdom. He's given us his, his perfect righteousness. And I'm, he's the one who is giving us the tools and his spirit to be able to live any of this out. Apart from him, we can do none of these things. Mm-hmm. So look to Christ um, and be inspired by, hopefully, the Proverbs 31 woman. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my final word is just... Um, If you're married, if you're not married, if you want to be married, like this woman's worth did not begin when she became a wife and they're not found in her role. Um, And her strength and her dignity come from living in the presence of the Lord and fearing him. And so continue doing that, start doing that, talk to someone about um, what's hindering you from that. Um, and that these virtues can still be lived, um, out in your life if you're not in, in your life, if you're not a wife. Um, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, they're definitely not something that just comes naturally. Um, there's something that you learn over time. It, it takes time. It takes community. Um, so I would say, I would encourage you if you're not plugged in with other women to get plugged in with other women or other men, if you're not a woman, um, that's really helped me grow, you know, helped me to read Proverbs 31, not through the lens of, oh my gosh, I don't measure up to any of that. How, uh, but it's been encouraging to me to walk alongside these ladies and learn Proverbs 31 together um, to get other takes on it, to to be encouraged in the areas that that I need encouraging in, um, and so I would say, yeah, make sure you're being plugged in together, but then also not looking at Proverbs 31 as as a downer, yeah. you know, as a, I can't measure up um, because none of us can, um, but we can sure try, we can sure strive to be that, and so yeah, strive to do that. Um, lean on God to help you do that. Find time to be still in your day, to rest in your day. Um, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's a good word. Well, thank you, <clears throat> ladies, for sharing us with us some incredible wisdom. Um, uh, go back and listen to this. Some great things were shared here today. So let's let's give them a hand. Thank you for sharing.
So. All right, here, I'll pray for us. Father, thank you um, for Proverbs 31. Thank you for these women here um, imparting some wisdom to us today. Help us to take it to heart. And thank you, ultimately, Jesus, for the incredible example and hope and uh, life that you give to us, Jesus. And um, I pray that you just give us uh, the strength we need by your Holy Spirit to live this stuff out. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. 